So does your career energize you with life or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. So this week, another fantastic conversation with another fantastic guest, Adriana A.G. Bevilacqua, a former colleague of mine who is now the Chief Creative Officer at the Embooth Marketing and Communications Agency. Buckle up, people, because this conversation is chock full of nuggets, and here's just a sampling. First, much like was the case with Sue Maloney last week, AG's career also took a pretty sharp turn to where she finds herself today. Not so much by her own doing, but because colleagues saw something in her that she had not yet seen for herself. I cannot stress this enough, especially for those of us who might be struggling to make sense of our careers just how important the perspectives of those around us, about us, can actually be. Secondly, I continue to be struck, and I know it's probably very obvious to most of you, but I continue to be struck by just how deep and sharp an impact our upbringing has on our career trajectories. And AG's is no exception. As she so frankly admits, her desire to be seen as cool by her older sisters inarguably gave shape to her ever-inquiring and curating mindset and to her becoming a person who today is hell-bent on sharing good things with people. And lastly, for all the multi-passionates out there, those of us who have felt plagued by having so many interests that we can't possibly settle on just one, AG offers a really sound and refreshing perspective towards the end of our discussion. I promise you, well worth the listen. So enough with me. Without further ado, I give you front row seats to the career of Adriana AG Bevilacqua. So first, again, thank you. Hugely appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much for considering me and asking me to do this. I was like so flattered. Let's jump in. Question number one. So do you ever think about the concept of purpose or mission or what it is I'm doing on this planet? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a great question that we should all ask ourselves, right? So we're not just going through the motions and we're actually doing something and living a life that we feel like has intention that we can look back on one day and be proud of. So yeah, it's definitely something that I, that I think about both professionally and, you know, personally. And where, can you give me a sense of sort of where, where are you netting out on that with yourself? What's, what's, what's sort of the answers you've come up with? Yeah. So, you know, as I've gotten into, into my career, I've been working for 14 years now and I'm in my mid thirties. Um, I'm at that like funny age where I don't want to be older or younger. I'm like, just like happy where I am. Right. <laughs> it would be cool to stay here. And I've also realized something about myself, which is like, you know, I am who I am in every facet of my life. Like whether it's, you know, my partnership with my husband, my relationships with my friends, you know, how I work every day, how I've progressed through my career. I don't really compartmentalize. I'm very much sort of, I, 
I believe in for me, you know, it's different for everybody, but what works well for me is sort of this idea of work-life synthesis um, versus a work-life balance or thinking about different pieces of myself. And so if I think about kind of what's what's the common denominator that really runs through everything that I do, I think that maybe I'm here to like share good things with people and I know that that sounds sort of no. <laughs> a little bit like of a loose definition, but if I think about like what really makes me happy every day, it can be something as small as my husband's guy friends will like always text message me and ask me like advice on um, women or, you know, clients will say, Hey, I want to impress somebody. Where should I go to dinner? Or um, girlfriends will say to me, Oh, I needed a great lipstick color. So in a very basic way, but then I love to, you know, share good ideas with people and good things that will make them happier. But then like on a larger level, like I love to share like new experiences and take somebody to see something for the first time or to share music with my younger nephews or to expose them to cool films and kind of show them the way toward things that are, will bring goodness or happiness or help them open their minds. And then even, you know, same thing I would say with my friendships or even with clients and in the business world, I love to bring good things to people, good ideas, good connections, good ways to think about the world. Yeah. And so I feel like that's sort of like a, a common theme, but it really does bring me joy. Like I recount the first time I took a client to see a comedian who I love. His name's Mike Berbiglia. We wound up working with him for a big program, but I was like, this to me is like the perfect alignment of so many things. Like I love seeing Mike, right? I yeah. love to, sh- you know, share good things with my clients. And then it actually netted out into a really awesome program. And so for me, when things can be integrated in that way, I get to do three good things at once, something for myself, you know, something for a comedian I support, and then something for a client. So those to me, it's not like the win-win, it's like the win-win-win. When I can do three good things at once, that's sort of how I like to live my life. Holy shit, interview over. When, <laughs> when, did, you, um, when did you realize that about yourself when did you realize that you you know this this idea of sharing good things was a meaningful concept to you um i don't you know i don't know i think it's sort of been like a gradual realization over time it wasn't sort of like this epiphany moment um but even like in such small examples is like i've always loved like setting people up romantically that makes me happy and i think of that as like sharing good stuff with other people i know someone who's wonderful and i want to help them meet somebody who can make their life better. And that like brings me a lot of joy. So from the small things to the big things, but it, it does really make me very, makes me happy. And it makes me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm here sort of serving um, something that feels like it has a higher purpose. It's not just about me, but it's about, you know, spreading things to people that will bring value to their lives. Yeah, no, that's great. AJ, can you tell us what it is that you do today? Sure. I am the chief creative officer at M Booth. Yep. And Mbooth is a... Marketing agency, marketing and communications. Perfect. And so let me get at this from another angle. Are you today in your career where you thought you would be when you were younger? I think I, think I am, actually. And when's the earliest that you can remember having an idea of wanting to be, I guess, where you are today? So... Everything sort of makes sense in hindsight, of course, right? You kind of see how it all fits together. 
But if I think about like going back to when I was five, six or seven, and I sort of started to think about a career, I think actually the most formative kind of inspiration that I got was from women in pop culture. Okay. So um, something to know about me who's, that has also been uh, very instrumental in, I think, shaping my identity in my life. I have two older sisters. My parents had me when they were older. So I have a sister who is uh, 50, should be 53, so she's 17 years older than me. Wow. And I have a sister who's just turning 40. We're a little closer in age. We're five years apart. But I was a surprise package. Um, <laughs> and so my sisters had a huge influence on me growing up. And also pop culture, I think, had such a huge influence. And those two things are related because when you have older sisters who are very kind of with it and interesting, dynamic women, you know, you're sort of like I think about like, you know, some of my first memories in life are uh, watching 30-something. Do you remember that TV show? Yeah, sure. Or, you know, I think about Murphy Brown, um, seeing her or J.C. Wyatt from Baby Boom, who's like the tiger lady, right, on Madison yeah. Avenue, um, or Claire Huxtable on The Cosby Show, right? She was like this attorney and this mom, and she was like elegant and powerful. Or even like Carrie Bradshaw, my all-time favorite TV show, Sex in the City, who was this very cool, insightful writer. And I think I, you know, during different stages of my life, didn't always know that I was going to be, you know, chief creative officer at an agency in New York, but I always had like high aspirations for myself and high expectations. And I loved seeing, and this was sort of pre lean in, right. But I always loved seeing as a young woman, I was like so captivated by these adult women with these powerful careers, with these great personalities, um, that were kind of like good and interesting people, you know, to their yeah. social circles. And I always knew and always wanted and aspired to be my own version of that. Um, and I think that those are probably the first kind of associations with career was really through kind of movies and television growing up. Right. So you establish that um, and you have this kind of idea of yourself as a powerful career woman. When was the first time that you sort of um, further tweak that to the creative profession or the communications profession? Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I was kind of nerdy, like debate, model UN, mock trial, nice. all that good stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> All that very cool stuff, but I loved it. Um, but at the same time, was really into sports growing up. Um, I played field hockey and softball, and was really kind of um, you know into athletics and student government. And I always read a lot and went to concerts. Like I was always just very kind of um, fascinated by reading things, watching things, finding out what was new. I had a lot of eclectic interests. And at yeah. first, I thought that that was going to make it you know hard for me to decide what I was going to want to do because I was interested in a lot of different things and I went through you know those phases of I'm going to be a writer I'm going to be an attorney during my mock trial years in high school thought I might want to go into government I eventually really found a love of science in um in uh high school and I actually started, I went to Wake Forest undergrad and I actually started as a pre-med major and I really liked it. But sort of where I think I started to kind of take a little bit of a turn was part of, you know, Wake Forest. They have, you know, just baseline courses that you have to take. So if you're a doctor, if you're an attorney, you still need to take art classes and you still need to take religion and humanities. So I wound up taking an art history 101 class and I was really blown away um, by art history. And I really started to see art in two ways. Art is something that kind of leads us to think about the future and new ideas. Um, 
and I also really thought about art as sort of media in a way. To me, art is the, was the first kind of media that was ever created, right? It's mass media. Yep. It, was, it was intended to communicate ideas to groups of people. But ultimately, I think kind of my passion for art um, and art history specifically, of course, really led me to major in art history. And then I had, you know, extra credits. So I thought, okay, maybe, you know, communications could be interesting because I sort of started to see art as media and thought that there could be something really interesting um, in the connection between contemporary art and thinking about it as really a vehicle of communications. So my senior year, I did um, a thesis that sort of combined um, art and media. Um, it was kind of like a, a, a topic. It, it sounds a little cerebral, but it makes sense. Um, uh-huh. I looked, I did my thesis on sort of like the semiotics and symbols um, that happened in Picasso's Guernica and right. how all of the abstraction creates like this suspended sense of time and space um, of a disaster that actually makes it have more emotional impact. And so I was really excited by doing this and really thought about um, sort of the next natural fit to me felt like maybe either I'm going to go into, I'm going to go into the art world and become like a museum curator, or perhaps there's a way with this kind of interesting way to think about art as media, I could sort of take these skills into like advertising, because really, if you think about what advertising is, right, often, I mean, in those days specifically, it was really, you know, words and images, but really leading with the image and how that can communicate like new ideas that could change people's minds. And that to me didn't seem like super different than art. Um, So that was sort of where I landed out of college um, in 2002. sort of started looking for jobs so right so you make this decision that advertising might be and 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 was there at that point in time was there any was there any hesitation about that decision was there you know was there a competing path at all in terms of uh becoming an art history teacher becoming uh an artist becoming something else or was that a very clear next step advertising it seems like even though I'm a creative person and I'd like to think an open-minded person, I'm also not an optimist. I'm very much like a realist. Um, yep. I, I was thinking that for my financial longevity and for my future, that advertising could be a more profitable also path for me. Um, you know, I was looking at starting salaries, which were um, modest at the time in the industry, but still kind of more appealing to sort of what I was seeing in the, in the art world. I mean, many of those first jobs, like they didn't even offer a salary, uh, right. which wasn't, wasn't an option for me living in New York. So I pursued, um, you know, kind of the advertising path. I really didn't even know my first job was with a PR firm. I interviewed there, I asked them what PR is. So that's something right. I wouldn't recommend if anyone's looking for advice. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What is PR actually? Right. Um, but so I fumbled through my first interview. Um, yeah. I would say, thank God I got a writing test because I think I completely bombed the verbal right. interview with these people. <laughs> so like this woman is not yes. prepared or she's confused about what it is we do here. Um, but so I wound up, you know, pursuing that job worked out for me. Um, and so I started in what is at the time was a more traditional PR firm, um, which is not such a leap as you know, you know, from advertising and marketing specifically now it really has all blended and and blurred together at this point. Um, but I I really did a lot on my first job, a lot of, 
you know, a lot of writing mostly, um, writing yeah. to the media, thinking about different visuals, events, things that could convince the media to talk about our clients in an interesting way. Yeah. So, AJ, let me let me um, let's delve into this from one other angle, if you don't mind. So, on, on a scale of zero to ten, where zero is a total non-issue and ten is a big, dark, gloomy shadow, how large a shadow would you say that financial considerations have had over your career path? You just alluded to one. Um, I'm not afraid to say that I'm motivated by money and yeah. and um making a good living at all. And I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of, especially I think sometimes women shy away from admitting that. Um, or I shouldn't say women shy away from it, but sometimes it's not as um, upfront as an, as an issue for women to be empowered to talk about, um, I should say. And I would say, I'd say it's like a seven or an eight. And can I ask, what do your parents do? Sure. So um, my dad came, my dad was born in Italy. So he came over to the U.S. Um, and he was actually lieutenant in the police when I was growing up. And he was the station commander of like my county. So he sort of had a, um, a powerful job as a police officer, um, which was fun when I got speeding tickets. I should say when I got pulled over because never quite got a speeding ticket. Um, okay. And my mother comes from a very kind of like artistic family, actually. She was, uh, she's German, but she was born in Manhattan. And my grandfather um, was, was a photographer. And my mom worked um, in a lab uh, when I was growing up. And thinking back now on the various decisions you've made along the way, how would you assess their impact, either explicitly from things they've told you or kind of implicitly from your observations of them on your career path? Yeah, my parents are uh, so wonderful. And I would say that oddly, like as a third child, I didn't have like, a, I didn't have very much steering from my parents. And I think they'd be, they would probably say, you didn't need it. <laughs> but right. um, I think the reality is, as a third child growing up, um, you know, I had a lot of autonomy. I was empowered to do what I wanted. They believed in me, um, for sure. I think being a third, to me, like the almost more interesting relationship, I think, on how I developed is between me and my older sisters, especially because they're so much older than me, specifically my oldest sister. I felt mm. like to get any attention growing up, I had to be like clever or interesting or punch above my weight in terms of age. So I think in some weird way that like bred like a curiosity in me because I wanted to sort of keep up with them or be interesting to them and not yeah. just like a little sister and they're both super interesting like powerful women they had like took me from everything like my first movie I can remember going to see in a theater was Purple Rain with Prince quite risque right <laughs> but my sister like took me when I was like eight she's like come with us to see Purple Rain but they also took me to like a U2 concert when I was really little my sister was like on tour with Fish and she brought me back like all this cool music when I was in like sixth grade that I had never heard about yeah. um, my what oldest do they do? sister sisters? sure my oldest sister is a lawyer and my middle sister is um, a marriage uh, therapist and um you know, I was quite young when my oldest sister was in law school and I would like go stay with her for a weekend and like hang out in the law school dorm. I thought it was like a different world. Remember that TV show? Right. 
I felt like I was yeah. on the show when I was a small child and we would like listen to Terrence Trent Darby and like cool music. And it was awesome. I mean, they were, you know, they were all, they were all drinking. I was not, I was like seven. Um, but I had like a lot of exposure to like really cool and interesting things from a very early age, really a, a huge credit to my sisters. And I wanted them to think I was cool and I wanted them to want me around. So I also, I think developed like a curiosity, um, for culture, for things that were was more mature than my age. And I kind of have had always had that growing up. So what kind of advice are they giving you? They are hilarious. I mean, they're my best friends. Um, yep. You know, they're my two maids of honor, my wedding. I don't know. They're like, they were very they weren't directly telling me what I should or shouldn't do. Um, I think everybody was always, you know, I was very like, I was very focused on academics growing up. So that was never you know, an issue or a concern for anybody in my life. It was always like, well, whatever it is you want to do, you should just go for. I think everyone was not sure, you know, would I be a writer? Would I wind up, you know, going into government? Ultimately, would I follow through and, you know, continue down the pre-med? I think everybody was supportive, but I don't think anyone said, like, you have to do this in a very direct way. So you're at one point a pre-med. Yeah. Um, what, what shifted you out of that? I think it was, it wasn't anything that I didn't like about it. Um, I think it was more just that some of my interests and passion kind of took me more into the direction of, of art history, of media. Um, and also I think my love of a lot of different pieces of, of culture, I think, you know, at one point maybe felt like disparate because I like all these different things, but ultimately like the job I'm in now, it's my love of all of those things, like an appetite for like what's new, a curiosity around how people are living today as it's reflected in media versus what life is really like. Those are the things I think that have helped me be good at what I do now because really I believe a lot of creativity to me comes from like the outside and, you know, when we look at like client challenges and whatnot. And so yep. I think of like, you know, everybody goes through the world and it's almost like, you know, you're a bumblebee and you stop in different things, right? And pick up pollen from everything you read, see, do, experience. Yep. And then that pollinates the next thing you do. Yep. Got it. So today you're a creative director. Where do you see your career going in the next three, five, ten years? Oh my God, that's a good question. I mean, I, I really do feel very fortunate for my job and what I get to do. I yeah. guess for me is like, you know, I'm not, this is my third stop and working for 14 years. So I'm, I'm more of a stayer than a, a jumper around. Right. Um, I think, you know, here continuing to kind of build my team will be great. But I guess for me, success isn't necessarily like high, how high you, you know, how high you go. Um, I guess like I feel good or I would define success for myself as like, it's kind of like loving what you do, but also loving how you do it. Um, yeah. And I think both of those things are coming together for me right now. And so that's what ultimately makes me really happy because I think you can always do more, but if you don't love how you're doing it because you're stressed or you're freaked out or that doesn't work. Yes. So I need to kind of have an equation where the how becomes part of the success metric. Like, am I doing it in a way that makes other people feel good, makes them feel included, um, you know, helps strengthen the feel of our agency, helps our clients, 
it is delivering that to me that's also important versus just getting like further. I love that. But I'm going to press one more time here just from, from a slightly different angle. Do you have a – are there visions of anything else in your mind um, of things you want to be when you grow up? Oh, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I, mean, I think I, I really do think I landed where I should be, um, you know, as our – as our agency grows, like growing the team here, I think would be terrific. I, I have had in the past, I think maybe you know a little bit about it, but I have, um, I had a blog for a long time, which I really loved. It was called Tech Romance, and it was about the intersection of like dating and technology, um, which I started when I was in grad school. So it was just fun, but I love, I mean, I love to connect things that maybe people hadn't connected, and at the time, technology and dating hadn't really been connected in a very, like, bold way, and there yeah. hadn't been a big discussion around it, so it was fun to bring that forward. Um, I love to write. I like to, you know, share fun stories and with other people that were dating, so there was just, like, a lot of... Um, there's like kind of a good community around it of people that were sort of in a similar space to me in New York or in other cities. Um, and we would just kind of like chat and just kind of engage around the topic. And, and there was no other real place to talk about it at the time. So that was a lot of fun. So that's a long winded yep. way of saying that like, I wouldn't be opposed to, um, I mean, tech romance for me would be like pretty boring right now. It'd be like me and my husband texting back and forth while we're having for dinner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So in a new, you know, another forward-looking topic, um, I think it would be fun to, uh, you know, start another another blog potentially, but on a topic that maybe is like more relevant to me and where I am in my life and where society is, um, et cetera. So yep. to be continued on that, but definitely that would be a fun project in the near term. You've alluded to this before. I want to ask this um, also again. What kind of, thinking back, friends, family, and colleagues throughout the years, what kind of counsel or advice have people most frequently sought from you? Is there, is there a thread in, in the type of, of, of advice that people have uh, come up mm-hmm. to? Yeah, I mean, I think that people have certainly, you know, I think people think of creative careers and, you know, see a title and think, oh my God, how do I, you know, how do I get there? Um, that type of thing, like how, like what would be my advice for them to have like a creative career? And I, you know, I think what I would say to people would be to kind of going a little bit back to, you know, the advice around, um, you know, bringing the outside in and, and be an inspired person to do inspired work and kind of soak up any of those experiences because ultimately they will come out in a brainstorm. Ultimately, they will give you an insight down the road. Yeah. Um, so I try to, you know, the advice I can give to people is not like how to like position yourself and that kind of stuff. It's more about be a creative person outside of work, um, yep. you know, outside of your nine to five, I should say, or, or outside of what you would think of as working hours. And before you became a creative director, was there a thread in the type of counsel or advice that people sought from you? Yeah, I mean, always. And I think if I even look back to like sixth grade running for student council, it was like the same thing, Um, which people have always come to me for ideas especially if they need to make like an idea shareable and they're like, Ooh, what do I, what, what should I put on my wedding invitation? When I was in college, it was like, what should we put on our sorority t-shirts? Uh-huh. When I was in sixth grade, it was like, what should my slogan be? You know, my best friend running for student government treasurer. Um, I was in the vagina monologues when I was in college and it was like, could you also help us with the flyers around campus? So it was, it's just something 
if people have always kind of um, come to me for ideas and also how do you frame ideas in a way that's like socially shareable, like even yeah. before the internet at that time, shareable just meant it would create talk value. Um, but that has always been, so when I started out my career in, um, you know, PR in the early days, then it was, Hey, I need uh, your creative language for a pitch I'm sending out. Or yeah. can you come to a brainstorm on millennials or, uh, you know, can I pick your brain on a media mailer? It's always been like the same theme since yeah. the time I was a small child. Hey, G, what is it about you that made your college classmates or, you know, people earlier on when you were in, in sixth grade, what, what, what is it about you that they're seeing that immediately makes them come to you for that kind of advice? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, people have said to me that, like, I have a way with words sometimes or, I mean, it's so silly. Like, even when you're little with your friends, you make up, like, nicknames for things. Like, I've always been a person that could do that very – it does it, – it's, it has always come to me very like naturally yeah. um, on how to like name or frame something in a way that's easy for people to understand or share. So I think it's something I do in like in my writing for tech romance. Like I would coin a lot of like new words that didn't exist. Even when I like text with my friends, they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, it means this. They're like, you're a nut job basically. Um, <laughs> but I do love language. So the ability to kind of be flexible with language and, and let that and put it together in a way that can create new meanings or a new way to look at things, but, um, or things that were catchy, perhaps it could have just even been how I was talking out loud or like yeah. the titles I would put on my book reports, you know, being not like the history of Denmark, you know, being right. something, um, a bit, a bit more interesting. So yeah, so I look back in hindsight and I'm like, people have actually always come to me for these things. Yeah couple more questions here before we wrap up. Yeah, of course. Um, are, are there any career decisions that you would today choose to undo or somehow redo? Hmm. When I was in my, you know, at my first agency, I didn't say, hi, I want to have a creative career. Um, and maybe it was because I didn't realize it at the time, knowing what I know now, I would have moved, I guess I moved over to the creative side when I was maybe around like a VP level, mm -hmm. um, but maybe could have done that earlier, I guess. It, was, it wasn't even my idea. It was something my managers were like, it's time for you to actually take this on as a full-time yeah. role because I was sort of like doing it on the side and helping people with things outside of my account work at the time. And so finally, some of the leadership um, at the company I was at at the time said, AG, you need to just focus on this. This is what you love. This is where you bring the most value. Talk about that moment for a second. Was that moment a surprise to you when they come up to you and said, you need to be doing more of this? It, it, it was like, a oh, yeah, you're, it was kind of like a you're right kind of moment. Um, yeah. It was, it was sort of, I guess, validating in some ways. I mean, it was maybe somewhere in the back of my head, I was like, this is really what I'm good at. And I do believe if you do what you are good at, you will be a success, you know, yeah. um, if you want to define success as you know, doing what you want career wise. I do think you, people say follow just like your passion. I think it's like, you kind of have to follow your own talent. And what were you doing at the time when they came up to you? What was your official role? Like, I mean, I was, I mean, I think it was junior as like, a, um, an account associate. Okay. And it was, and at that time it was for, can you help me, you know, people that were, you know, um, on different accounts or might have been there longer, you know, can you help me for a title with this pitch or we need a cool idea for an event or 
um, what's a cool mailer idea for this beauty product or, you know, it started out smaller and then it would be, oh, this is really cool. Can you help us think about an idea for this? Can you come to this client brainstorm? So as I got a little more senior, the asks would become a little broader. Um, But it was more of an organic versus like, I want to be, I want to go onto a creative path. It kind of just unfolded. I could have, I guess, in hindsight, been a little bit more, maybe I could have had that aha sooner and asked for it earlier. But I was probably about 27 at the time. And was there a particular person, you don't have to name names, but was there a particular person that recognized that in you or was it sort of just a collective recognition? I think it was um, it was my manager at the time, yeah. uh, a woman named Abby, who's wonderful, and um, two you know two mentors that were on the creative side um, named Hal and Karen, and so I think they had kind of gotten together and said, "Hey, let's think about you know Ag's role in a broader in a broader way." Um, yeah. So it was it was great. I was so thankful. I was so thankful to them, and you know enthusiastically um, took the role on. Yeah, fantastic. Last question here. Knowing now what you know today, how would you advise your younger self? How I advise my younger self? That's a good question. I think, I think probably the advice I would have given myself would be don't think of all of the different things that you're excited about or interested about as like different paths that they yep. can actually be synthesized into a path. Um, yeah. I think I had a little bit of anxiety around you know, what I'm going to pursue, is it writing, is it government, is it science, you know, is it art? But I really think in marketing, you can have a job where you synthesize a lot of things that you're interested in. And it's actually the synthesis and the connections between those unique things that give you insight, that give you a fresh perspective. So they're not really, you know, similar to life. It's not separate lanes. It really is about kind of a blend of those things that creates like the right alchemy. Um, but I didn't see that at the time. I was like, oh my God, what lane am I going to pick? But you actually don't have to pick a lane, which is sort of refreshing. Um, you can, you could veer into traffic. You can right. you know, swivel between lanes. You can create, you know, one sort of major kind of highway. Um, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to compartmentalize yourself. You can just be who you are with what you love around you. It doesn't have to be like this major choice. Yeah. I love that. When did you realize that to the extent that you were able to kind of knock off that anxiety? I think as I sort of got into my creative role and I realized that the best way to, um, you know, come up with ideas myself, but also part of my job and part of my job today is also to kind of help teach people how to be creative. Um, and I don't think creativity is like, you've got it or you don't. Like, I think it actually is something that can be really cultivated. Um, but on a bigger scale, I'm like, oh, this is what my whole life has been kind of doing is creating this like a giant, like pop culture, random fact, interest vault of all things that can be connected to my clients and that could give us insight into how people live, what they want, you know, what they want for the future, what ideas are new, what ideas will break through. I think you also need to have like a big understanding of the past um, to understand sort of where culture is today, where people want to be tomorrow. Um, You kind of have to cover off on where we've also been. So it's sort of like the, the understanding of all those pieces. I'm like, I've been doing that in my own brain all the right. time. Right. A.G. Bevilacqua. Thank you. You got it, girl. It's good to talk to you. 
Thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gert Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating and especially your review of the show on iTunes would also be hugely helpful and very much appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a great guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com. 